Hello and welcome to today's Heartlip with Janelle. I'm Janelle. So happy that you're here today. Oh, you'll hear me say all the time in an episode. Okay, okay. Oh, take a breath. So let's just do that. Take a nice, deep belly breath. Are you ready? And lean in. This is a teaching moment. Today, we're taking a little pause from our forward movement through the Envision portion of Stronger Every Day, Nine Tools for an Emotionally Healthy You. There are three movements within the Envision part of the book. It involves tool one, which is our pursuit of meaningfulness or eudaimonia. It involves tool two, secure attachment understanding the power of a really good cling and understanding we don't want to be too clingy. We want to just have a really good cling. And tool three is all about shaping healthy thoughts and looking at a beautiful heartlifting exercise in cognitive behavioral therapy where we work through our thought cycle, our thought pattern. And that uh, beautiful exercise, I give you lots and lots of practical help on how to do that. It begins on about page 93 and works its way towards the end. And then today we're going to do uh, the exercise that's on page 100 and 101 in Establish a Time to Build. I want to just walk you through that and how I frequently... (laughs) go to this exercise on a regularly, weekly basis to just examine and check in with my thought cycle. It is so critical that we examine, that we are aware, that we go, oh, 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 there's my unhealthy thought pattern, unhealthy thought cycle, feedback loop. Okay, how am I going to reframe that and shape a new healthy thought pattern or healthy thought cycle or a healthy feedback loop? That's just the language. You'll hear it called several different things. And I want to walk you through in Lexio Divina fashion, that divine reading of the scripture through John 10 verses 1 through 21. This is the beautiful parable of the good shepherd. I want it to be a meditative exercise for you to return to again and again and again. So as we begin this work, I want to give you an understanding of two particular words that you're going to hear inside of John 10. Familiar and stranger. There are two voices that we're going to fine-tune our ear over these next few weeks as we continue our study through Stronger Every Day. The voice of the stranger and the voice of God or the voice of the shepherd, as read in this parable. When I'm teaching on how to hear God, this is my foundational teaching. It's the prophetic footing, and I read it over and over and over again, and I revisit it over and over and over again. Because John 10 holds a mighty secret. So let's begin with our reading of John 10. 
verses 1 through 21. And I'm reading out of the Message Bible. I want you to close your eyes if you can. I want you to take a beautiful deep breath. Take as many as you need. Pause at any time during this Lexio Divina. You just pause. And you let the word soak over you. You're going to place yourself inside of the story. You're going to put yourself sitting at Jesus' feet or standing in the crowd. And you're going, to, you're going to think, where am I in this story? What am I hearing? What is speaking loudest to me? Is there one word that is echoing, calling your name? Is there one sentence? Is there one passage? What is calling you right now? I will read it through twice. Let me set this before you as plainly as I can. If a person climbs over or through the fence of a sheep pen, instead of going through the gate, you know he's up to no good. A sheep rustler. The shepherd walks right up to the gate. The gatekeeper opens the gate to him and the sheep recognize his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he gets them all out, he leads them and they follow because they are familiar with his voice. They won't follow a stranger's voice, but will scatter because they aren't used to the sound of it. Jesus told this simple story, but they had no idea what he was talking about. So he tried again. I'll be explicit. I am the gate for the sheep. All those others are up to no good. Sheep wrestlers, every one of them. But the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate. Anyone who goes through me will be cared for, will freely go in and out and find pasture. A thief is only there to steal and kill and destroy. I came so they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. I am the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd puts the sheep before himself, sacrifices himself if necessary. A hired man is not a real shepherd. The sheep mean nothing to him. He sees a wolf come and he runs for it leaving the sheep to be ravaged and scattered by the wolf. He's only in it for the money. The sheep don't matter to him. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep, and my own sheep know me. In the same way, the Father knows me, and I know the Father. I put the sheep before myself, sacrificing myself if necessary. You need to know that I have other sheep in addition to those in the pen. I need to gather and bring them too. They'll also recognize my voice. Then it will be one flock, one shepherd. This is why the Father loves me, because I freely lay down my life. And so I am free to take it up again. No one takes it from me. I lay it down of my own free will. 
I have the right to lay it down and I also have the right to take it up. I received this authority personally from my father. What did you notice? What stood out to you? Was it a word? Was it a sentence? Was it a tone of voice, perhaps? Was it a thought that you hadn't thought before? Before listening to it a second time, let's understand what a stranger really is. In this parable, the stranger's voice is something the sheep aren't used to the sound of it. They're not used to the sound of it. There's something about it that's off. But the shepherd's voice is familiar to them. Familiar means well-known from a long or close association, a close friendship, an intimate. It also can mean it's easy to recognize because of being seen or met or heard before. So the sheep are familiar with the shepherd's voice, with the tone of his voice, because they've had a long association or a close association with the shepherd. So listen again. Let me set this before you as plainly as I can. If a person climbs over or through the fence of a sheep pen, instead of going through the gate, you know he's up to no good, a sheep rustler. The shepherd walks right up to the gate. The gatekeeper opens the gate to him and the sheep recognize his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he gets them all out, he leads them and they follow. Yes, he leads them and they follow because they are familiar with his voice. They won't follow a stranger's voice, but will scatter because they aren't used to the sound of it. No, they're not used to the sound of it. Jesus told this simple story, but the listeners had no idea what he was talking about. So he tried again. I'll be explicit then. I am the gate for the sheep. All those others are up to no good. Sheep rustlers, every one of them. But the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate. Anyone who goes through me will be cared for, will go freely in and freely out, and they'll find pasture. A thief is only there to steal and kill and destroy. I came so they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd puts the sheep before himself, sacrifices himself if necessary. A hired man is not a real shepherd. The sheep mean nothing to him. He sees a wolf come and runs for it, leaving the sheep to be ravaged and scattered by the wolf. He's only in it for the money. The sheep don't matter to him. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep, and my own sheep know me. 
In the same way the Father knows me and I know the Father. I put the sheep before myself, sacrificing myself if necessary. You need to know that I have other sheep in addition to those in this pen. I need to gather and bring them too. They'll also recognize my voice. Then it will be one flock, one shepherd. This is why the Father loves me, because I freely lay down my life, and so I am free to take it up again. No one takes it from me. I lay it down of my own free will. I have the right to lay it down. I also have the right to take it up again. I received this authority personally from my father. What did you notice? What spoke to you? What word seemed louder than the others? What part of this passage seemed louder than others. So what I want you to do is, if you have Stronger Every Day, go ahead and open to page 100. And we'll go from 100 to 101. And we'll do the Establish a Time to Build Heartlifting Exercise. It says to think about this question. How do you know that the story you are telling yourself is actually your God-breathed story? Some experts call this your essence or your true self. In our Stronger Everyday community, we refer to this as our God-breathed identity or story or self based on Genesis 2-7. Author and Enneagram teacher Ian Morgan Cron writes, Sooner or later, we must distinguish between what we are not and what we are. So I'll add some teaching points here that you can either highlight or put an arrow out into the margin and write in your book. Sooner or later, we must distinguish between what we are not and what we are. So if I, if I look at that sentence and examine it through the lens of John 10, I'm going to say, what part of my story perhaps is now unfamiliar to me it's a it's a it's coming from the stranger's voice and what part is familiar and is coming from god's voice we must accept the fact that we are not what we would like to be we must cast off our false exterior self like the cheap and showy garment that it is we must find our real self in all its elemental poverty, but also in its great and very simple dignity, created to be the child of God and capable of loving with something of God's own sincerity and his unselfishness. As we've already discovered, sometimes our stories are directed and narrated by the voices of others by the voices of critics, by the voices of strangers, by the voices of unhealthy teachers, coaches, bosses, and so on. Just take a moment, maybe pause here, and if you have your journal out, your heartlifting journal, or just a piece of paper, 
just put a big old cross on your page, right? Just a, a line horizontally and a line vertically. And on the left side at the top, you're going to put the voice of strangers. And on the right side, the voice of the shepherd, the voice of God, the one true voice, however you want to write it. And part of this exercise is to take some moments, saunter, sit and see, as we say, to perhaps reflect on your life journey to maybe some of the louder voices, you know, that really were the voice of a stranger. They weren't the voice of God in your life. You know my story. Six years old, standing on the white line for talking too much on my birthday and Holy Spirit Catholic Church, Jacksonville, North Carolina, wailing because I couldn't understand why I was having to stand on this public line of shaming for bad behavior that I couldn't understand what I'd even done. And my sister in the eighth grade at the time running over and asking the nun and the nun says, leave her alone. This is for her good. What? How is public shaming ever, ever for anyone's good? Okay, so that's a very, that has been a dominant leading voice of a stranger in my life, an authoritarian voice that thought publicly shaming me would shut me down, and it did, and it took away my vivaciousness and actually spoke into my life and a foothold came into my life of shaming. That's just my example. There are a million others, and I know that you have them. So if there's a voice in your life of loud, the louder, the loud voices <laughs> that end up becoming your default feedback loop, you can't do this. Who do you think you are? Oh, you're good, but you're not good enough. You'll, you will actually never be good enough. You're successful, but you're not as successful as so-and-so. So you're going to take some time here in this heart lifting exercise, in this teaching moment that we're having, to really reflect on the voices that you have allowed, consciously or subconsciously, and perhaps are even still allowing, to speak and shape your thoughts. And you're going to write them down. You're going to come back to these in some further heartlifting exercises in some other chapters that, and other tools. But for today, I just want you to spend some time recognizing, oh, that's not the voice of God in my life. That is the voice of the stranger. Whether that stranger was a coach, a parent, a grandparent, an aunt, an uncle, a critic, an, a teacher, whoever, a pastor, <laughs> a worship, whoever, a leader in your church, my goodness, I had a leader look at me in my church, a pastor, and go, you're not a scholar. What makes you think you're a scholar? Yes, he, he actually said that to me. You could never teach on Ezekiel. You're not a scholar. Well, what does that mean? He shut me down then, but today he would not shut me down. Today I'd go, oh, I'm sorry, but I have to differ with you. I can teach on Ezekiel because God is in me. And he says, I will do greater things than he did. We live and we learn, don't we? Some stories are passed down through generations. 
such as we have a family business and so you will work in that business. Or we have a family business and we'll always have this family business, so don't even think about doing anything else. We're passionate and boy, are we hot-headed. We're yellers and boy, we come from a long line of yellers. We're worriers. So we're just going to worry. It's what we do. Is it? Is it what you do? Do you have to receive that voice of the stranger from the echoes of generations past? That because great-great-grandma was a worrier, you're going to be a worrier? And your children are going to be worriers? Or perhaps great-great-grandpa was an alcoholic, great-great-grandma was this, that, and the other. Okay, those are echoes and whispers from our past that we can stand in the gap and say, no, not on my watch. No longer am I believing that lie that came from the voice of a stranger. So on page 100, I say, today, find your sacred space, your quiet place, and consider your answer to this question. I'll share my answer, and then you share yours. Begin with this prompt. I know the story I am telling myself is true because. That's our prompt. My answer, this is what I wrote, and you can use it as an example. I know the story I'm telling myself is true because I've spent time thinking about it and meditating on my Genesis 2-7 beginning. I've heard God whispers that affirmed my God-breathed true self. I no longer abide by the old narrative, the old reels, the old tapes. I've overcome any and all negative narratives, labels, and words spoken by unhealthy voices in my life. I'm practicing how to discern the one true voice. I'm aware of my unhealthy negative feedback loop, and I'm taking it off autopilot today and rewiring my brain with a healthy, positive feedback loop. Today, I am speaking healing words, living into my new narrative, and committing to using the new emotional health tools that make me stronger every day. And then the exercise on page 101 is now it's your turn. How do you know that the story you are telling yourself is true? I know the story I'm telling myself is true because. And I'll close with this. Today in a client session, a very powerful, powerful client session via Zoom, by the way. So if you don't know that I do remote sessions, I do. And they are highly effective. At first, I didn't think they would be. But boy, I think that maybe in some respects, they can even be more effective because you're in your own space and place where you choose to feel safe. And so... um, If you might need some help in rewriting your story, I'm your girl and I'm here for you. So this morning in a a beautiful session, I'll condense the story and kind of add a little fiction touch just uh, to protect my client. But she was talking about a relationship uh, with her uh, adult child and they're in the midst of a big transition, this family. And the parents were telling the adult children of the transition and the child brought up was triggered and brought up an old feedback loop 
And of course, mama being sensitive was very triggered herself that, oh my gosh, I'm a terrible mother. I'm not doing a good job. I feel guilty. I'm so selfish. Just the child's old feedback loop triggered the mom's old feedback loop. And we had an old feedback loop party. <laughs> and I was, I was, had a very clear whisper come into my mind. And I want to share it with you today because it really spoke to me. And I think it will close us out here today in a beautiful way. So when we're in a conversation, a dialogue uh, with others, particularly today I'm talking about our intimates, people that we're really doing life with who are allowed to speak into our life and we speak into their life and we're on this transformative journey together. I said, he is allowed, she is allowed the space because you have created safe space within your family to, because they're all healing together, which is my favorite type of work. The whole family system has a new language of love, a new language of healthy emotional behaviors and patterns. It's just beautiful. They've all signed a family contract. They've made a vow to all hold each other accountable and to love and to accept one another. And so in that space, this, this, during this conversation that was taking place with my client, I said, he's allowed, she's allowed to say that. Of course, they're allowed to be triggered. I mean, we're working. It's not going to be perfection overnight. But what's not allowed is for you to receive it. Not allowed for you to uh, allow the trigger to kick your old feedback loop into motion. At that moment, you have to either put your hand over your heart, some kind of safe signal that you have uh, started using in your life. So for me, it's I put my hand over my heart. And if that was said to me, I would go, I'm safe, I'm secure, I'm whole. I have value, worth, and dignity. And I would say, oh, I hear you. And I understand where you're coming from because that is how we have always operated in this family. But we don't operate that way anymore. We are safe and secure and we're going to move forward as a family and everybody is safe and secure. So let's just say maybe the trigger was abandonment, rejection, and the decision of the parents makes this child feel uh, insecure again and, oh my gosh, you know, I'm going to be abandoned again. And, you know, those are really deep, deep roots when you haven't received secure attachment. So if you don't know, go back to tool two and listen. But what we do now is we're moving forward and we can recognize that's the voice of the stranger. That's the voice of the old real. That's the voice. So say we hear, you're just not good enough. You'll never be good enough. You have to go hand over your heart deep breath. Oh, wait a minute. That's my old reel playing in my head. That's my old unhealthy feedback loop that came from the voice of the stranger. But the voice of God today tells me I'm safe. I'm secure. I am more than good enough. I'm a work in progress. Amen. So as you work your way through the Lexio Divina, John 10, and you start your exercise, your heart lifting exercise, hear the voices, 
that have been spoken over me that come from the stranger, from the evil one, from liar, as we say in the book. And here's the voice of God. And I recognize you, you know the voice of God if you've had close association with God. And the closer association you have with God, the quicker you are to recognize the voice of the stranger. That's what I have for you today. I hope this teaching moment enriches your capacity to hear the voice of God, the one true voice that will never, ever lead you astray.